He's not only here today, he is everywhere present. What that means is God is omnipresent. It means he's everywhere at one time. That is very a stretch for our understanding, isn't it? Because we don't uh, kind of, that's beyond the limits of our ability to compute and to really understand that God is on the other side of the globe at the same time he's on this side of the globe. That is everywhere present. Omnipresent means he's everywhere. Everywhere. Well, the writer said, if I make my bed in hell, he's there. If I ascend to the stars of the heavens and the universe, he's there. Everywhere I go, I find God is already there. Hey, praise God. That means that his watchful eye, the Bible said, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro in the earth, beholding the works of our hands. Knows all about us. Amen. Knows our, our thoughts and our intentions, not just our actions, but also our thoughts and our intentions. In fact, the Bible says what we're about to do here today, that exercise of the preaching event, the Bible said the word of the Lord is quick, powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the joints and the marrow of the bone, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Wow, you mean preaching the gospel exposes all of that? Preaching the gospel puts you at a fork in the road. Preaching the gospel means that you have more light. And the Bible said, he that hath much light, much is required. He that hath little, little is required. And what does that mean? If you know to do good and doeth it not, to him it is. You don't want to say it, do you? It's a bad word. Dirty, nasty. Sin. If you know to do and don't, it's sin. Now, I didn't say that. God's Word said that. And Jesus, the eternal Word, said that. Wow. So that means that living the life is more incumbent upon us to be diligent and to walk with integrity and to serve Him with fidelity. Amen. To walk with Him uprightly. And it's right for us to count these encounters with the Word of God because what it does, it helps us to see ourselves. Because the Word of God reveals to us, it is the truth that exposes all the inaccuracies that's in our life. And most of the time, people get mad at the messenger for daring to share something that startling with me. But I owe it to you. The Bible said, woe be unto me if I preach not the gospel. That came out of Paul's mouth. Woe be unto me. In fact, Jesus gave, gave all prophetic utterance, all people who preach and teach and handle the Word of God. Jesus gave you a warning. He said, if you see the enemy approaching and you don't sound the alarm and you don't cry out against it, he said that I will require the blood of those that are victimized by that at your hands. Well, that's a, that is a stern, hard saying from the words of our Lord. But it issues to us a tremendous responsibility to be truthful and to be transparent. Amen? Because all in the world I am is another human being just like you but a human being that God chose and elected somehow to use to instruct, to preach, to teach, to live the life. Because if you don't live the life, then you can't preach the message. Amen. You've got to put application to work here because the character of the person that stands behind this pulpit is the veracity of the truth that comes out of his mouth. Amen. For a spring will not give forth bitter water and sweet water at the same time. Amen. In other words, you can't speak cursings 
one minute and blessings the next, you, you, can't, you can't mix that. You've got to be a, a, a person that is committed to the truth and a preacher of the truth. Paul said, I have, I have, I have shunned nothing. I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God, not parts of it that I like, not hobby horses that I like to ride, but he said, I, I have not shunned to declare the whole counsel of God unto you. What a statement that is. I have not failed. But I have taught you publicly and from house to house. I've taught you and I've preached to you and familiarized you and incentivized you by preaching the Word of God to you. Amen? And I pray that the Word of God will find its place in your heart this morning and, and touch all of us as we talk about one of our heroes. Nehemiah is one of our heroes. He's an a, he's a activist. He's not a non-participant. He's right there in the heat of the battle. He's got the shovel in his hand and the trowel in his other hand. He's got the, got the shaft to ward off enemies with one hand, the knife, the blade to battle and fight, and he's got a trowel to build with at the same time. We'll, we'll see that later on in the study about him. But he, he was a person that could fight when time it was to fight. He could also rejoice and shout and rejoice and sing and celebrate when it was time to celebrate. But then he could get down to business when it came time to get down to business. And God wants men like that. This, this study could very easily be about leadership. It could very easily be about people who preach the Word of God. It could very easily be a, a handbook for people that go about the everyday task of serving God in a Christ-like manner. Last time we saw Nehemiah, he was riding his horse and he was viewing all of the territory around about Jerusalem. Jerusalem, about a hundred years before, some think it's a little bit longer than that, but at least a hundred years before, had been invaded by a, a warlike, barbaric group of people from Ur of the Chaldees, the Babylonians. And this was about 582 in the, in the uh, sixth century when they came in and invaded. But they came in because God allowed it. In fact, God used Babylon to discipline his people. God warned them over and over, don't mix the seed blood, the blood of, of, of the descendants of Abraham. Don't mix that blood with other tribes and with peoples of other lands. The promise is unto you, it's unto your children, to your children's children, to them that are far off. The, 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 the blessing of God is because of the covenant God had with Abraham. Now, since Jesus, all of that has changed. But at this moment, it was about God and the people of God. Nehemiah is the last book in the history section of the Hebrew Bible, which is the Old Testament. At one time, the book was called uh, Ezra-Nehemiah, Ezra-Nehemiah. At another time, uh, Nehemiah was called Ezra number two, second uh, edition of, of uh, Ezra. And then eventually, in the Greek translation of the uh, Hebrew Bible, which is the Septuagint, anytime you see LSS, place there it's, it has to do with the manuscript that it was taken from and it was translated by uh, translators into Greek and that's what the Septuagint is it is a Greek translation of the Old Testament from the original Hebrew all right and if it was Latin if it was transferred into Latin as the Catholic Church does then it would be called the Vulgate so the Vulgate would call it Nehemiah Ezra hyphen on it and the Greek translation of it would be just Ezra and then Nehemiah. And Nehemiah stood on its own under the Greek translation and that kind of interpretation. So what we're talking about is a man who had a very pleasant job. He worked as cupbearer to the king. And the Bible said that he was in a very, very good place. And he had the ear of the king. You know, you can work for somebody 
And you don't have to fuss and fight all the time about what they require you to do. Somehow or another, this guy worked for the king and enjoyed it. Somehow this guy worked for a, a, a person that was not a Jew and was a diplomat. He was a statesman. He was in what, what the Bible eventually calls a king. And this man is working right with him, hand on hand, every day. He's the closest person to the king. In fact, if you had to talk to the king, you had to come through Nehemiah. If you wanted the ear of the king to do something you wanted to happen, then you didn't get to go to the king first. You had to go to Nehemiah and go through Nehemiah to get to King Darius, who in your Western Civ books is Xerxes I in the Persian Empire when the Persians were ruling. Now, what happened, the Babylonians came in and, and ravaged the place, and then the Babylonians were overcome by the Persians, so then many people went back to Jerusalem from Babylon. But they took about 50,000 of them on to uh, the Persian Empire uh, with them. Wow. Baghdad, not, well, that city's not far from Baghdad, about 15 or 20 miles south of uh, the, the ruins of, of, of Baghdad. Well, what we have here then is a, a displaced people, and we have a prophet of God who's serving in a, in, a, in a good place. How many of you know God puts people in place? How many of you feel like you are today where God put you? About, about a third of us. About a third of us, the rest of you thought it's a trick question he's going to get us with something. No trick, I promise. The greatest thing in the world is to be content where God puts you. Amen. Paul even stated, he said, Therefore, having food and raiment, brethren, let us be content. For godliness with contentment is great. Thank you. Gain. It's blessing. It's a, it's a benefit. It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing to be where God puts you and have contentment. Paul said, I have, I have found. He said, I did, I, I've not always been this way. I had to work it out, he said. I have found. Not something I was born with, and I didn't always feel this way. But I have found that whithersoever I am, therewith to be content. Content. Isn't that a good word, content? And that means confidence that you are where God put you, that you're placed by God. Here was a, a, a man named Nehemiah, and he's in the place where God put him because God sees a, a, a big picture, and God sees the, the result of what can happen if this man allows me to use him in the position where he is. And knowing that he's a man of compassion, knowing that he's a man that can be trusted, knowing that he is a man that worships the Lord his God and prays, he said, then he can be trusted to do what I need him to do. I, I've got this king in place. I've allowed him to be, you, what do you mean? God allowed him to be there. God, we discovered Wednesday night that God is moving all of history. That we're not, nothing's out of control. Every morning he rolls out the heavens. He knows when the tide changes in the oceans. He knows everything that's going on on this earth. In fact, the Bible said he knows so much about this earth that Jesus said, a sparrow shall not fall but your father. And the way I used to, to, to preach that was that the sparrow doesn't fall out of the heavens without my father knowing about it. But since I've learned how to exegete from the Greek text and find out what he really said. What he was really saying was, he's present when that sparrow falls. When that shivering little fellow freezes and falls from the limb 
my heavenly Father cups his hands and breaks the fall. Not only does he know about it, but he's present when it happens. Are you not, Jesus said, are you not greater than a sparrow? He that makes the blossom of the tulip in the field and the lilies of the field, they grow because he wills it and purposes it to be in nature. They said, are you not greater than a lily? Are you not greater than a sparrow? How much more will your heavenly Father take care of you right where he puts you? Right where he puts you. Boy, when you pray, have thine own way, Lord, be careful. I said, be careful. And brother, I'm telling you, so many times when you, when you think you have, are praying for the will of God to be done, Lord, I've been in some places that I, I was a reluctant person. My first church was at Tuscaloosa, a great church. Somebody, don't be smart, Alex. Somebody said, how'd you get out of Tuscaloosa? I know there's a, there's a hospital down there for people like me. I know. <laughs> was doing good. Man, the church was doing good. Had 54 the first Sunday I was there. That was in August. In October, we had 154. Grew 100 people in about three months. Boy, God was just blessing us. And things were going so well. And I... Enjoyed that so much, and we were just really going. Had a had Earl over at Northport, and from a district overseer, and buddy, a good friend, and man, I was just doing good. General Assembly rolled around, and they said, "We need you to be a youth director." Oh, yes, said uh, you're going to be a youth director. Said, in fact, you're going with O.V. Sewell to New Mexico. I said, New Mexico? Yeah, yeah. OV's going to New Mexico. Okay. So I resigned my church. Told Debbie, we're going to General Assembly, but I don't really know where we're going. I think OV's going to New Mexico. And all I know is he told me that I was going with him. I wound up in southern Illinois. in a coal mining little town that coal dust was all over everything. And you're talking about a reluctant servant. But I said, God, what are you doing to me? What in the world am I doing here? Miserable as I could be. And God just went to blessing that church. Lord, it wasn't long before we had from went from 125 to 250. And God was blessing, and man, it was growing, and, and I was hating every minute of it. That's all right. Because I just didn't feel like I was in God's will. You were. God, I love you. And I, I know that you, you wouldn't put me here. But, Lord, some of the greatest blessings in the world happened right there in that Monroe Street Church in West Frankfort, Illinois. Some of the best friends I've got, I can call one of them right now, and they'd come to me quick as they could get to me. Went to General Assembly the next year, been there two years. And L.J. Weeks retired at Chickasaw. And they said, if you can go to Chickasaw, you can go back to Alabama if you want to. I said, that sounds more like God's will. <laughs> We're getting closer to God's will now, boys. Praise God. I went to Chickasaw. And the only good thing that happened to me at Chickasaw was Rachel was born. I walked across that street, Iroquois Street, every 
Sunday night resigning. I'm going to call an overseer in the morning. I'll evangelize before I'll do this. Lord, have mercy. A church that I had good relation with for many, many years, H.L. McDuffie pastored there, and I preached great revivals at Crichton. I wasn't but about 28 or 29 years old. And the pastor's council met with me and said, Jerry, we'll give you a 100% vote if you'll come to Crichton. Crichton? Boy, they paid more tithe that month than any other church in the state. Had more people in Sunday school than any other church in the state. You know, 29 years old and go to the biggest church in the state? Sounds like God's will to me. Yeah. <laughs> On Friday night, I'd already called over there, and they'd call me and said, we got a big dinner. We're going to move you over. And said, hey, so I tell you what, I'll pay the music minister's salary for the first year. Just go get whoever you want. All right. And the other brother said, 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 and I'll pay the music minister. Just go get whoever you want. But, and I, I, I pre thank good things happen, brother, when you're in the will of God. <laughs> Woo! Good things happen when you're in the will of God. Well, I was going to move on Friday morning. They were coming over and had the truck already sitting out there. I already had that sucker packed up, Randy. Had the ramp run out the back, had all of my stuff on that truck. Praise God. I'm getting out of here, and I'm going to a good place. About 10 o'clock, buddy, I was wore out. I got over and sat over on that bar stool there, and Debbie, she was a, well, I hope we got everything. I, I, I promise you, honey, we live close enough to cry, and I can come back and get it if you left anything. <laughs> Phone rang. Hello? This is the state overseer. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm up here at Montgomery at uh, Vaughn Road. And uh, I took a vote on you up here. I said, voted on me? I said, I've got a letter in my pocket right here. I'm, I'm going to Crichton. I've already met with their pastor's council. They done hired a music minister and a, a youth pastor. And the overseer said, you can forget all of that. You're coming to Montgomery. Woo. And follow a guy that Lord knows you don't, wouldn't want to follow him. And the overseer called me and he said, you'll, you'll probably lose 250 people the first year. I said, lose 250 the first year? Yep, probably 250. What happened to the will of God? God, where in the world did you go? Last time I checked with you, we was on our way to Christ. Who's going to tell them over there? And the said, I'll take care of that over there. You're go you, be at, you be at Montgomery Sunday morning. Lord of mercy. So here I go again with a bad attitude. All right, come on, come on. And a rebellious spirit. And a whatever happened to the will of God utterance. And God started blessing. I said, and God started blessing. And God started blessing. Next thing we know, we had to build some more onto the building, and get some more Sunday school rooms, and get some, get some more worship room, and all that. Amen. So I'm happy as can be and looking forward to general assembly it's it's in the middle of the year so nothing's going to happen i'm happy praise god having a big time thank you lord god you're blessing people getting saved that's where i started on television ministry was in montgomery alabama church channel 32 abc boy god did miraculous things just out of nowhere blessings would come people just just blessing God blessing the church, blessing ministry. One of my guys was a policeman in the church there at Vaughn Road. And I noticed 
he come in, stood around the back looking at me there one night, Thad. And I thought, I wonder what he's, what he's looking here. I, he's in church this morning. I wonder what he's doing here on Sunday night. And uh, I eased back there where it was. Everybody's praying in the altar. You know how it was. And I got back there and he said, uh, your neighbor next door down here called and said, y'all were making too much racket. Well, thank God you called one of my members. <laughs> I said, well, Tom, what you going to do? Are you going to silence this place? He said, no, I'll just tell them we investigated it. <laughs> Is that what y'all tell people? We, we investigated it. Good enough. Buddy, just having the best time. God's will growing. Phone call came. We need you to go to Ohio. Ohio? It's cold in Ohio. I'm a summer kind of guy. Ohio? Got to be kidding. Wow. Be careful where God puts you. Keep the right attitude. Be patient. And in due season. Come on, somebody. In due season, you will reap. The original Greek says, if you don't cave in. The translator said, if you don't faint. If you don't cave in. If you just keep... Keep going and saying, my life is hid with God in Christ. Amen. Amen. All to Jesus, I, re I resign. All to him, I now resign. I have been redeemed. I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. I'm part of God's plan and part of God's program. Amen. It's not my will. It's his will. Amen. His will. When Nehemiah learned, when he went in and walked into the presence of the king, the king said, and, and he said, I hadn't been sad until that, that, that time. And, when I, and the king looked at me and he said, why are you sad? Are you sick? He said, no, I'm not sick. All right. He said, well, what's wrong with you? He said, I got a burden. All right. I've got a burden. You won't do anything until you get burdened. I told you the other day, stirred, stirred. You know what happened when, when he did this? The Bible said, and the heart of God was stirred. The heart of God was stirred. Brother, have you ever got stirred and then God got stirred? Brother, if we get this thing together, if we can ever get stirred enough ourselves, when God gets stirred, brother, you're going to see revival like you've never seen it before. You're going to see people that will come and say, I need a touch of God. I need, a, I need something to change in my life. I need something to happen in my life. I need God to do some reformation and do some revival and do some coming back and repairing walls. Well, next time we found our hero, we left him last week. He was on a horse and he was riding around among the heaps of rubbish. We had a real bad hurricane season this last year. Several countries in the Caribbean, they're still just a shambles. Puerto Rico has got areas that still hasn't got power. Still hadn't got power. Homes demolished. Just look out over the landscape and see nothing but just rubbish heaps. Houses that are blown to pieces. Nothing there. Complete devastation, total annihilation. How do you rebuild a city when all you can see is rubble and rubbish and garbage? And here, Nehemiah is riding his horse around, and he's got those captains that the king sent around with him, and they're following him around. And he said, I even got to one place where there wasn't enough room for the horse to get through the rubbish. 
And he said, and as of that time, I had not yet told anybody what the Lord had laid upon my heart. Be careful who you share your vision with. Be careful who you entrust with your dream. Be careful who you sight all of the things that God has said to you in prayer and in fasting as, as if they're going to receive it. Because sometimes the dream that you have for God's will to be done in your life, Satan is planning that to be a nightmare. And in the, in the text, he said, and when Sanballat and Tobiah heard that we had come back and intended to build the wall, what happened is he got them all together, which is hard to do. All to do. This church has taken a lot of unanimous votes. All together at the voting time, but it was hard for us to stay together. Barney Newsom asked me in a business meeting, you remember? Pastor, what do you think? I said, oh, I know we can build a building. I just don't know if we can stay together. Because when you say, like they said about the wall, let us arise and build. See it in the second chapter there? Let us arise and let us build. And then the devil said, let us arise and oppose. Because everything you do for God, there will always be an adversary. Anything that's going to result in people being blessed of God, saved, healed, delivered, Anything like that, Satan has an opposition to that. As soon as it gets out, be careful what comes out your mouth because it gives him information to start working against you. Don't ever let Satan think you're a whiner because he'll give you more information to whine about than you could ever imagine. When he finds out that that you lodge that kind of stuff in your heart, he will fill it full. Yes, he will. And there comes a time when you, like Nehemiah, have, have got to say, Amen, Lord, I want your will to be done. I want a revival in me. I want a stirring. I want a, a purifying. I want a washing. I want a regeneration. I want something to happen inside me, O oh Lord that is so revivalistic and so evangelistic that you'll receive glory and praise and honor for what God does in my life. Let your light so shine among men that they will see your heavenly Father's good works that were begun in you and they'll give glory to your Father which is in heaven. You want God to get glory from your life? Is there a person here today that would say, I want the Lord to get glory out of my life? I want the Lord to be praised by my life. I want my life to be a testimony to God's goodness. Hold up. Goodness and grace and power and love and mercy. I want God to be credited with a praise. With the praise. Listen, but he said, but when Sanballat heard, fourth chapter in Nehemiah, when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth, and he took great indignation against the Jews. Is that what you're reading? And he said, and Tobiah, the Ammonite. You know what Ammon is, don't you? That's the capital city of Jordan. So what we're talking about here is the province of Jordan. And he said, Tobiah, a servant to the king over in the province over in in Persia. He said, that Tobiah, that Ammonite, he said he was wroth and he stood off, off the side and he started criticizing and making fun of the work. He mocked the Jews. Is that what it says? He mocked the Jews, made fun of them. Oh, Lord, look at y'all city up here. Look, at lay it in ruins. Yeah, y'all got a great God. That's right. He's, look at his, look at his temple up there 
Look at all the things up there. That started making fun of them. Pentecostals have gone through that stuff for years. Amen. But we're still here. Still here. Anybody Pentecostal in this house? Anybody got the Holy Ghost in this house? Any believe in the Spirit of the living God in this house? So if I call your names, you're going to keep on being who you are? So if I make fun of you and, say, and make gestures of you being crazy and coco and, and lo, loco and stupid and un, unlettered and unlearned and don't know any better, you, you're still going to keep on being who you are even if I talk about you? I saw him up there. Shouting and jerking around. I saw all that foolishness. Is that going to hurt you and get you to get you to draw up in your shell and kind of get over in a corner somewhere and say, I don't like people making fun of me? Hey, if sticks and stones and if it's going to hurt you and it's going to change you, then you need to go deeper and you need to go higher. You need to get more because you can reach a place in God where that, that kind of stuff won't matter. You can reach a place in God where they can call you all kind of names and make fun of you. But what, where God puts you and what God calls you to do means more to you than what they say about you or what they, oh yeah, come on somebody, give him some praise in the house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he said, and don't you be ashamed of me, his minister. Don't you draw up in a shell somewhere and get quiet when I start preaching. Amen. You stand by me and say, amen, preacher. That's the word of God. Amen. Don't give in to that kind of negativism and pessimism and that degrading way about, about you. Hey. Praise the Lord. Say, I, I thank my God that he has found me worthy to suffer, suffer those kind of things for his name. Thank you, God, for providing an opportunity for me to give you glory in my life by standing up and saying, none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the grace of God. I go bound in the spirit of Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that they testify and they witness in every city, saying bonds and afflictions abide me there. But none of those things move me. None of those things move me. None of those things move me. Praise God. Hallelujah. Nehemiah said, I've come to build the wall, and I'm going to build the wall. I'm going to build the wall. I'm going to build the wall. That, that verse under that, that caption I quoted a while ago said, so builded we the wall. But they're talking about you and calling you names and ridiculing you. Saw in the paper the other day, they'd written an, ar written an article in there about, about you being crazy and leading off into, into fanaticism and off the deep end and all kind of something. Yeah, we built the wall. What'd you come here to do? Build the wall. Didn't come to be popular. Didn't come to be famous. Didn't come over here to make everybody like me. We came to build the wall came to build the wall. So builded we the wall. But Sanballat despised you. Sanballat hated you. Tobiah made fun of you and ridiculed you and did everything he could do to stop you. So builded we the wall. Bottom line, we built the wall. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That means when I stand before him, hallelujah, I can say, God, I, I did the best I could. Amen. I did the best I could. I did my best to do your will. I did my best to walk in the path that you outlined for me. I've done my best. Amen? Amen. Listen to what, what Tobias said. He said, why if a fox was to trot 
upon the wall that they would build, it would crumble down and fall to the ground. Sanballat said, what will these feeble Jews do? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the rubbish heaps which are burned? Oh boy, he told us a mouthful right there. Will they revive the stones out of the rubbish heap? Well, the Bible said, you're a stone, and you're a stone, and I'm a stone. In fact, in 1 Peter, he called us lively stones. Are you a lively stone or are you a dead stone? You, are you a lively one? Okay, good. Are you a lively stone? He said, the same as coming unto lively stones which are built up a spiritual house. So let's, let's let our faithful imagination get, get busy here. Let's, let's see the rubbish heap. All the rubbish that's in the world. Illicit sex. Illegal drugs. Alcohol addiction. Infidelity. Fornication. Adultery. Brother, we got a big rubbish heap already built up here. Murder, extortion, theft, lying, stealing. Let's just keep, keep piling the rubbish heap. But Sanballat said, will they revive the stones that are in the rubbish heap? What do you mean? There's some stones that God can use that's in that rubbish heap. And, 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 and when I find them, I can give them life and they're no longer a dead stone laying in a rubbish heap but all of a sudden they've become a lively stone. A lively stone that I can put in my house and I can build the building with it. Glory to God. Oh, every preacher is an advocate that God has put on the rubbish heap. And he says, come on brothers and sisters and join me. Let's dig in the rubbish heap because every now and then we'll find a stone and it's not chipped and it's not broken. It can be used. And let's put it over here to the side because when the masons come and they need a stone to build the wall, they'll have a stone right there because we dug it out of the rubbish heap. Oh, let me tell you, God wants some people in Anniston, Alabama that's willing, that's willing to get on the rubbish heap and dig 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 until you find a stone a stone that God can use a stone that God needs a stone that God can change from being dead to becoming a lively stone and he takes those stones and he builds up a spiritual house to offer spiritual sacrifices the Bible said oh Lord could somebody lift up a sacrifice of praise in this house that God uses and blesses people that have been dug out of the rubbish heap. Can I quote one more scripture? Of such were some of you. Used to be on the rubbish heap yourself. Used to be right there with all that slush and slime of sin that was going on. All the carrying on and all the addiction and all the illicit stuff going on. Right there in the middle of all that. But one day somebody come a-digging. One day somebody come digging. Digging in the rubbish pile. Rubbish is something you throw away. Rubbish is something you don't want anymore. Rubbish is something that's useless. Oh, there have been a lot of people thrown on the rubbish heap and said he'll die just like he lives. He's no good. I know where he come from and know, know what, he, what he did. I, I know how, how bad he's been. I know how lost he is. I know how deep in sin he is. Oh, but somebody come by and believe that God could do something that would transform his life. 
Somebody preached to him about a Jesus that could save from sin. Somebody convinced him that if you'll give your life to God, he'll get you out of the rubbish heap and he'll put you into a building, a building that God says is to offer spiritual sacrifices and do things for God. Well, hallelujah. Glory to God. Sit down. While I was at that church in Montgomery, one night I'd got home from preaching. It was on a Saturday night. And a man rang the phone at the parsonage. And he said, would you come down to city jail tonight and look me in the eye and tell me what I heard you say on television? I said, what did you hear? He said, I heard you say that if we confess our sin, he is faithful to forgive us of all of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I said, I'll be right down. I walked in city jail because the jailer was one of my members. I went in a little room and Houston Kitts was sitting there swinging his legs back under that table. And I walked in. I said, I think you're looking for me. He said, are you that preacher? I said, yes, I am. He said, I want to hear you say it out of your mouth what you said on television. I said, I've come, my brother, to tell you that the blood of Jesus Christ, Amen. God's Son, <laughs> cleanses from all sin. He is a nightclub entertainer. He is working over the Cowboys Lounge over there on Highway 80 at the Holiday Inn. Had another gig in town and was driving from there to another gig and the cops picked him up for DUI. Wow. I told the jailer, I said, I'll sign his bond if you'll let him out. And I said, I'll look at him, I said, I'll sign your bond if you'll be at church in the morning at Vaughn Road Church of God. Right. He said, that sounds like a good deal. All right, let's go. I preached that Sunday morning when I gave the invitation. Houston Kitts was first man in the line. Knelt down in that altar. His wife, Janet, was too hungover from the night before to make it to church that early. He brought her with him Sunday night. And when I gave the invitation that night, down the aisle come Janet and Houston Kitts. Knelt in that altar. Prayed through. Prayed through. You probably ain't heard that in a while. Prayed through. Anybody here ever prayed through? I said, has anybody ever prayed through? That means you prayed until you prayed through. Never forget it. He gave his testimony. He said, Pastor, he said, I'm under contract to sing next Saturday night over at Cowboys. What am I going to do? I said, I'll tell you what you do. You show up and you sing. He looked at me. I said, just change the name of your song. All right. I said, they'll take care of your contract pretty quick if you'll change your song. That next Saturday night, Houston got up there, and they were all laughing in a mood, you know, for a comic. He started singing, oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. They thought it was a new gig, you know. Something to laugh about. Ha 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 ha. But the tears 
and they knew he wasn't performing. Well, needless to say, they got him off the stage pretty quick when they found out he was serious. Four couples, four couples followed him out the door. And in the parking lot at Cowboys Lounge, Houston and Janet led those four couples to the saving grace of Jesus. Brought them to church the next Sunday and I baptized them and took them in the church of God. And God repeated that over and over again, winning people to God, getting people saved, new people saved. I want to tell you the message, it has embedded within it a power, a captivating power, a captivating power. One, one Sunday morning, I'd been after my banker to come, come to church. He was on the board at another church. But I was walking to the platform and sat down by Gerald Evans. And I looked back there, and there sat our banker. We had a blessed old fellow in the church, Brother Holder. He was a first word, first verse, first song shouter. And Brother Hoyt on the first word was sung. Old Brother Holder was out in that aisle. He'd skip a little bit, and he'd come down the aisle, and he'd sit there and listen to me a little bit. He'd ease on back to his chair back there and sit down. In a minute, I'd say something. Well, he'd, like, he'd jump up, and he'd come up running down the aisle. He'd be sitting and look at me and shake his finger at me, come back, and he'd sit down. Right. Choir was singing, the power of the Lord falling. Brother Holder's out in the aisle doing his familiar dance and he walks over to Ellis Holt at Compass Bank takes his little clip on tile and hands it to the banker and says hold this brother while I shout <laughs> all of my staff slid it up can't believe that God help of all the people he could do that oh Jesus my Lord so embarrassed he walked back over to Ellis Holt on his way to his seat and picked his tie up and he said brother you need what I've got <laughs> went and sat down had church that, that Sunday, Sunday night, had church, got home, we had some people over at the house eating cake, drinking coffee, and was talking, and the phone rang. And the voice on the other end said, Brother Irwin, this is Ellis Holt. I need to meet you, talk to you. I said, well, I'll be in the office at 9 in the morning, Ellis. He said, no, this won't wait till in the morning. But I got to see you right now. I got up and got in the car and got on down to the church. He said, Brother Jerry, ever since I was at church this morning, every time I close my eyes, I see that little old man saying, you need what I've got. See, I didn't stagger up on this. I've been, I've been in this kind of stuff for a long time. I've, I've seen God do miracles with people many, many times. Things that are thought impossible, my God can do. People that you would think would never, ever give a preacher a minute of their time. I've had them come to the Lord and make the best Christian people in church you ever seen. Populated a whole church with people just like that. And you know what I love about them? Come on. Okay. They love the pastor. They love the Word of God. They love Jesus. They hadn't learned how to grumble and complain and hang around yet. They've got them out of a bar and got them out of a 
addiction place somewhere and God did something miraculous for them and they don't know nothing about fussing and growling and complaining. Oh, God in heaven, help me to fill this whole place up with people just like that. I said, help me, God, to fill this place up with people just like that. For the Father seeketh such to serve him. For God is looking for men and women, boys and girls, that are ready to say, I want something truthful. I want something that I can hang on to. I want something that will hold me steady when I really need something. I need to have a rock in my life that doesn't ever change. and I can depend on it being that way. I've got to have a relationship with God. That it, It's what matters to me most. I've got to find that kind of relationship with Him. Now I want to tell you, it's available through the Lord Jesus Christ. Stand with me, please, all over this house. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Sing it with me. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to One more time. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come. To thee. Why not right now? Why not right now? Whatever burden that you're bearing, whatever load, whatever the anxiety, whatever the fear, Whatever the oppression, there is a Jesus. There is a Lord. There's a Christ. There's a Christ that said, cast upon me all of your care. Cast upon me all of your burden. Cast upon me all of the hurt, all the pain, all the sorrow. And I will heal and I will give you rest. Thank you, Jesus. God, I lay my hand upon this, your servant. And I know, oh God, that you're a prayer hearing God and a prayer answering God. Oh, hallelujah. Pray, somebody. Call on God. God, I pray that you touch Cynthia this morning, Lord Jesus. God, move upon her. Touch her body, God. Oh, Holy Ghost, God, touch her body, Lord. In the name of Jesus, stretch forth your hand to her and let her feel the excellency of your power and the glory of your grace. Teal her, oh God, I pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. I need thee, oh, I need thee, Lord Jesus. Take the hand of that person beside you. Pray one for another that you may be healed. Pray one for another. God, your word says that, and it's true. And we take authority upon that word, that word. And in Jesus' name, I ask you as we pray one for another that you will do what your word says you will do. In Jesus' name, you said you would heal them if we prayed one for another. Lay your hands or hold the hand of that person beside you. And let's do what the Word of God says. Any, anybody want to do what the Word of God says? I said, does anybody want to do what the Word of God says? God, right now, in Jesus' name, you said, if I ask anything in your name, that you would do it. Right now, in your name, Lord Jesus, I ask you to stretch forth your hand. You said with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. God, in Jesus' name, what your word says is what I'm claiming right now for my brother and my sister. A healing touch, a delivering touch. 
a freedom-giving touch in Jesus' name. Oh, God, defeat the adversary. Drive back the forces of evil and wickedness that have oppressed and brought people uh, anxiety and fear. God, in Jesus' name, let us right now be content in your presence. in your midst to touch you, saith the Lord. I am in your midst to touch you, says the Lord. I am present with you to heal your brokenness, saith the Lord. I hear and feel some people praying like Nehemiah. Lord, let thine ear be attentive unto the cry of thy servants. I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open unto me, I will come in and I will dwell with him and I will be with him and I will supply his needs. Open the door, saith the Lord, and let me touch your life. Let me heal your brokenness. Let me heal your sadness and your sorrow. Oh. Lord, in Jesus' name right now, in the humblest way that I know how, I ask you, God, to rekindle the flame. And God, let a fire burn within the hearts of the people in this church. God, we know what revival is. We know what a touch of God's hand is. And Lord, we need you today. Not just this hour. We need you every hour. We need you, God. Harvest needs you. We can't do what you want us to do unless you go with us and lead us and touch us and help us move, oh God, like you've never moved before in this church. God, from this service today, may there be people that report healing and victory and deliverance because we pray that in the powerful name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. I surrender all, I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all, all to Jesus, I surrender Sing it, come on. Sing now. I surrender all. Let that be your prayer. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender.
her all. Is that your prayer this morning? God, not my will, but yours. Not my way, your way. Mm, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I feel like just praising him for about 30 seconds. Have you got one? Have you got a 30-second best you got? Best you got. Best you got. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Bless your holy name, Father. We bless you. We praise you. We exalt your name on high. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Let heaven and earth praise the Lord. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, this is what we want. This is what we need. It's what we want. And Lord, you're welcome every time that we open these doors. You come and do what you want to do in Jesus' name. Bless your name. Now, God, as we depart from this place, help us to go out in this world and be salt and light. And help us, God, to live in such a way that people will find peace in knowing Jesus. May everyone in this house, O oh Lord, today win somebody to Jesus this next week. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Ghost, for planting that thought in my mind. In Jesus' name, will you just say one thing? I'll try. I'll try. I'll try. If the Holy Ghost puts somebody in my path this week that needs salvation, I'll not draw up and wither. I will tell them what to do. I'll try. I'll try. Bless your name, Jesus. Bless us as we depart in peace and grace and love. We love you and we love each other. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.